Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 2nd, 2014. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 17, paragraph 2. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Carol G. The 12 Traditions, Diane G. Reading the text, Chelsea H., Sue V., and Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, December 1st, 2014, is 7075. 7075. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carol G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. It's Carol G. recovered in England. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a search and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Great to be here today to read the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Single as a purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive eaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 17 and we'll start with paragraph two. And I will ask Chelsea H to please begin our study. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for your service. This is Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. We are average Americans, all sections of this country and many of its occupations are represented as well as many political, economic, social, and religious backgrounds. We are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy and escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in the powerful cement which binds us. But that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us 
is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And I'm still Chelsea, and um, I just want to speak to the little bit about uh, the first paragraph and then focus on the uh, second one, the fact that um, after being shipwrecked that we have all this joyousness and all, and that was kind of my experience when I first arrived almost two decades now into um, these rooms, both AA and OA, and um, I felt as though I had hearing other people talk about what I had. There was a, some connection with that, hearing it. I didn't know anything about the way out at that time. But just the fact that other people actually did some of the things I did and hearing it, it was a sort of a feeling of uh, happiness of some sort. But then I, the tremendous fact for me now, having actually walked through this process and having experiences now of practicing the principles, is that the common solution are the steps. And it's not so much the method you use to take them, it's that you take them. And that the way out is the same way out as the first 100 or so did, even before these steps came along. They had, even then there was a common solution, these same 12 steps. And it also speaks to me that the joy of escape, it's, it reminds me of when Ebby came to Bill, and Bill said, I wondered how he had escaped. How did he find his way out? That's on page nine in Bill's story. And it says, every one of us have this common solution. And the one real word that um, stands out to me is action and harmonious action. That means that we're going to be carrying this message, duplicating it. We may study it in depth in our own way, but when we carry it, it has to be duplicated. It can't be, for example, Chelsea wants to dictate how somebody should study it from an agnostic's point of view. That's not what the material says. It's a common solution that, that we are of um, different faiths or different ways that we study it is our own relationship with the power that we establish. But unless we stick to the actual way it is in the book and duplicate it exactly, that is what we're supposed to do. That's harmony. Harmony is when you blend, when different sounds, different, you have the altos, the sopranos, the bass, you have all that in a choir, they blend in, harmo in harmony when they're doing a particular song because they follow the way that it's supposed to be done. The melody goes a certain way. You follow it. And if you stray off, then you have dissidence. You have some discord. And it's telling me here that I have to take action. I can't be sauntering about these steps, tiptoeing around on them, tinkering around the edges. Take action, and then I'll get a result, and I'll I find the way out. And it tells me as a guide that I am somebody who's supposed to simply point the way out. I'm there as a guide to show you this way out. You establish your relationship with power that helps you achieve that. So thanks for letting me share, and thanks, everybody, for being here. Pass. Thanks, Chelsea. So the sharing will begin today at that third paragraph, the tremendous fact for everyone. Who would like to comment on what was read today? Press Larry. One. Hi, good morning, Larry. Start with you. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie. Uh, this is Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Larry Kay. 
Um, so, so we've learned up to this point, you know, that we share both a common problem and a common solution. Um, in fact, uh, you know, we're, we're united. It's just we're, you know, we're, we're drawn together uh, by the problem and the solution. And, you know, for me, if I don't get clarity on my problem, um, I'll never take the action necessary to solve my problem. So, you know, that's why the big book is great. Um, you know, my, my problem, what I learned, and it took me a long time, I'm pretty thick-headed, you know, um, my problem was not food. My problem was not anxiety, depression, fear, you know, economic insecurity, legal issues, poor relationships. All those things were evident in my life. They seemed like my problem. But these um, proved to be symptoms, symptoms of my problem. You know, no, my, my problem was lack of power. I was blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit. I was blocked off from my creator. I just didn't know it. You know, so for me, what I learned is praying or, or going to church or synagogue or a place of worship didn't mean that I had access to my higher power. Maybe I did those things. And I tell you, I did those things on occasion. You know, one can worship and still be blocked off from access to their creator. I know that because that was the case for me. And others have shared that with, you know, that that's been their experience. So perhaps this shouldn't have surprised me because in much the same fashion, I continually came to meetings and remained blocked. I continually picked up uh, tools and remain, remained blocked off. I continually tried to follow a, a perfect food plan and remained blocked, you know. What was the common solution? And as it's already been said, Chelsea did a good job in, in laying that out for us. You know, having had a spiritual awakening is the result of these steps. You know, the program of action is the steps. The fellowship's beautiful. Love being on the phone with you guys this morning. It's why I'm here every morning. Um, but taking the steps led to, to me having a vital uh, transformation, spiritual transformation that would, would solve my problem. And, and there's a reason that the first 164 pages of our text have been left unchanged since the first, uh, first edition was published in 1939. You know, we're on the fourth edition, as you know, and it, it's because our common solution works. You know, if we had a different solution, I would hope we would have, uh, you know, removed page 17 from AA's basic text and talk about a different solution. But... For me, any other path would not have led to a new freedom and happiness that I have today. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Kay, who else would like to comment on what was read this morning? Barbara. Barbara, come on. Thank you. And then we'll take Renata real quick. Thank you. Go ahead, Barbara. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Massachusetts. I like looking at the fact this morning is that it says the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. And as I think about that this morning, one of the reasons it's so important is that coming to program, I was very um, much dependent upon individual people. And once I was disappointed by the people, well, I may as well go down the tubes too. And I began to do that in the fellowship, but fortunately, uh, God led me to a wise guide, a sponsor, who made me very much aware that it's principles before personalities. So all of what was described in the previous section, you know, the understanding and people do what I did, and uh, at la I'm not alone, I'm not a freak, but that wasn't enough. I had to get the principles of the program 
And that guide sponsor reminded me that, you know, the people won't always be there, but the program will be there. So get the principles. Listen for that. Come to believe because that will be the solution. And that's the common solution that would keep me bound with someone. She said, so so what if a, purpose, a person has purple hair and I'm judging, you know, weird this and weird that, you know, the people um, come and go, but the solution stays uh, enfleshed in people. But I must get the principles, and that's what I'm that's what I'm getting every day um, with the study of the Big Book. Uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Renata G. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. This is Renata G. from New York. We covered today. Um, I want to talk about the common solution. You know. The common solution of this program, for me, is the steps, or the steps. Um, You know, when I came into the fellowship, the fellowship was one of the elements that could, you know, help my recovery. The fellowship uh, offered me support, love, you know, identification. But without going through the steps without taking action, you know, the harmonious action, as it says here, I did not find a solution. Um, and, you know, it says we have a way out in, on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join broadly in a harmonious action. So everyone that goes through this process, that goes through all 12 steps, can agree that they find a solution you know, that they can finally be free one day at a time from this disease, from the obsession of the mind and from allergy of the body. And um, that's all I have to share. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. Would anyone else like to comment on that paragraph this morning? This is Bella. Can I share? Hi, yes. Good morning, Bella. G, and I hear Monica. One more person I believe I heard, actually. Esther C. Vasa. Okay, I have um, Bella G, Monica T, Esther C, and Vasa. Oh, Bella, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, it's a wonderful paragraph, and I want to talk about every one of us, every one of us. It's such a miracle because in the paragraph before, we said that we are different. We are different. We are, you know, we are people that we don't have to be at the same level of education. We don't have to be at the same age. We don't have to live in the same place. We just don't have to be the same. And it's such a freedom because it's a promise. Every one of us, and it's the first thing, Bella, don't blame and don't judge. Don't say, oh, if only, if only I would live in a different place, if only I would be in a different uh, level of education. No, it's every one of us can find the solution, can live in that solution, and it's a freedom. So now what is the solution that makes us, all of us, together and we can find this solution? 
So it's a freedom that suddenly I don't have to, to, to go under my ego. I don't have to be jealous because it's a program, it's a solution that it's for every one of us. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Monica T. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm sitting here excited. I'm jumping down in my chair, and I'm just, yay, what hope here, what hope. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. You know, I don't know about you all, but I tried all kinds of solution. Solutions, you know, the diet clubs, the pills, the therapists, the exercise, the self-help books, you know, and on and on and on. And none of them worked. They were not a common solution for me. And we have a way out on which we absolutely agree. How hopeful here. These first 100 recovered alcoholics, we, the first 100, have a way out. They absolutely agree. When have you ever seen 100 people agree on anything? Saying that about two or three of us agree on anything. And they're saying, we absolutely agree. Wow. That gives me so much hope. And upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. And what's harmonious? Agreed upon. Consistent action. And what is that? That's picking up the 12 steps and working them. And what um, I was thinking, you know, thank you, God, for giving me the willingness to ask someone to guide me through the steps. And this guide helped me step by step, each part of each step, so I wasn't alone, I wasn't overwhelmed with working through these steps. That's the solution. And as a result of doing that, I developed, I deepened a relationship with a power greater than me. And I know today that if I turn to my higher power, with everything, and ask him for help. It's a done deal. So hopeful, hopeful, hopeful. Any of you out there who've just come back from the holidays and are struggling, depressed, we're offering you hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Esther C. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. My name is Esther C., and I'm a recovered compulsive reader in Canada. Um, yesterday uh, on the after meeting, many people were sharing about how wonderful the fellowship is and, and how it's given them strength, etc. But um, the paragraph we read this morning, um, including the last line of yesterday's paragraph, really teaches me that what binds us really is the solution, not the problem, because being bound by the problem is, is not enough. When when we are bound by the problem, when our meetings are all about the problem in Overeaters Anonymous, the eating, the relapse, then those meetings eventually die, which is really what I've seen in my face-to-face meetings here that, you know, wait a decade or two and a lot of those meetings just simply won't have members and they'll, and they'll close because it's the solution which binds us, right? The, the, the feeling of having shared in a common peril is not enough to bind us. The tremendous fact is that we have discovered a common solution and if you noted, or we noted um, back in the forwards, the Founders' Day in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, the day which is considered um, the day when AA began, is the day when the message was successfully carried from Bill to Bob. It's not the day, about seven months earlier, when uh, Bill became sober and was, you know, 
hanging around people looking for drunks to help. No, it was the day when the message was successfully carried. That is what we're all about, is successfully carrying the message. Not We're not a support group where we just, we're, we're not meant to be a support group where we get together and just talk about our problem. Um, OA's beginnings were quite different um, when uh, OA has their day, which they considered the first day of of their history. It's uh, There was no solution. There were no steps yet. Um, it was just two people who had a problem with food who thought that by getting together, as they had seen in another 12-step group, that they would somehow figure it out. So we see that being bound by the problem is is not a good place to be because it's just going to lead to meetings that dissolve and 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 per, and to people dying. So this is something that I always have to keep in mind is that our primary purpose, why are we gathered here, is to carry the message of recovery. The fact that I enjoy everyone's company or the people in my groups, you know, both on the phone and face to face, I've come to love is, is an extra bonus. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to. Be a support group. We're here to carry the message. That's our primary purpose. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther C. Vasa O. Yes, thank you, Melanie C. This is Vasa O. Recovered Compulsive Ovida calling from Florida. And when I heard the solution to my, when I heard the solution or read the solution, it was like a song to my heart. I remember saying, after all these years of pain and suffering with the food addiction, there is a solution. But I learned this was, it was a symptom of my problems. I always ran to the food for the solution to make me feel better, to make me, you know, for comfort. And uh, I needed to find a power greater than myself, which I call God. And, and I thank God when I asked God before I came to recovery, prayed to God in my car, asking to please show me where he is. Help me. You know, it just came out of my mouth, my, my mouth, and I was not a person that I prayed or asked for help, but I guess I was in a lot of pain and suffering at that time, and not too long after that, I found a way, and I started with the big book. And again, I I was elated. I said, wow, there's a solution for the first time in my life. With you know, I mean, I look for those solutions, you know, to all kind of diet programs and you know the quick fix diets and you know, and none of it worked. Or looking for other people that were into the food addiction, how they are doing it, or how we're gonna do it together. All the promises I did to my husband. Uh, this is the time I'm going to stick with it. I, I, you know, I remember even ba- making bets with my husband, and I always lost, and I didn't have money. He, always, he never took the money because we didn't have that much money. But anyways, I just surrendered to God, and I surrendered to the program, and I surrendered to the 12 steps. And the first steps were the most important for me at the beginning. I can't, he can, I will let him. And I'm not saying it was really easy. But I took that action, and I've continued with the action the way the steps are laid out. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Let's continue the study with page 18 now. Suvi, would you move us forward then in our study with the next paragraph, first one on page 18? Hi, this is Suvi, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Um, good morning, everybody. 
An illness of this sort, and we have come to believe it an illness, involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him, and no one is angry or hurt, but not so with the alcoholic illness. For with it, there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. Um, so this is Sue C., Recovered Compulsive over here in Connecticut. And, um, you know, when, I, when it starts out with this illness of this sort, you know, the sort of illness that really kept me in the dark about it for a very long time. I did not know I had this illness, you know. Um, I didn't even know it could be an illness for, for a very long time. And it's that kind of a disease. It tells us we don't have it. And, um, and yet I lived my life for many, many years um, being really owned by it in such a way where, you know, what I wanted had to come first. And because of that behavior, and it was about food, and it was about a lot of other things too, you know, not just the food, but it was sort of like, gimme, 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 gimme everything I can, you know, I can have, I need more, I always needed more. It was, that was sort of my, like, lifestyle, and I didn't really, I had no insight into that fact, none, you know, the only thing, it came up and finally when it came up to me through weight, you know, trying to lose weight, of course, and um, and yet I'd lose weight and then I'd put it back on. So for many years it had me baffled. But this paragraph talking about how it's affecting others as well, that was the other thing I couldn't see. I couldn't see that my selfishness, um, you know, was really with no concern for anyone else, whether it was my son or my husband, um, there was no concern about my the money I would sneak to spend on food or the food I would um, glom onto because so nobody else could have it or you know um, the things that I would do the hiding the dishonesty about it all. Um, so these were all the things that kind of went along with it that I was blind to. I never saw how my actions caused consequences, had consequences, and and that others were going to suffer through it as well. You know, I never saw any of that. So, um, you know, I'm grateful today that I I have a different way of life, and I've I'll just close by just saying, you know, I've lived alone a very long time, and I I thought about this because you know I've been in. I've only been um, listening to Vision for You since last, I think it was last February, and I realized that, you know, it's pretty easy when you're living alone to think you're not hurting anybody else but yourself. It really is. And um, that's another thing that really kept me sick. So that's it. I'll uh, pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Suvi. Who would like to comment on what was just read? Press star one. And I would comment. Kim L. I heard someone just before Sarah. Who was that? Kim I was curious L. what page you're reading from. 
we just started now reading on page the top of page 18, that first paragraph. Thank you. You're welcome. So Sarah W., and then I believe I heard Kim M. Let's go with that one for right now. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Melanie. Uh, thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Reader. You know, I wasn't going to share, and then I, I heard, um, you know, the illness, you know, and... And and also about you know the annihilation that we do to you know whatever's in our path. And I was thinking about you know I I, I work in the health field and I take care of people and um, you know I have this woman that um, that's the wife of somebody that's totally bed bound and he's incapable of taking care of himself at all. And um, she's been taking care, and he's unable to speak, and unable to toilet himself, and unable to move on his own. And um, she's been doing it 13 years. And I was thinking about the fact that we are people with an illness that's kind of like that. You know, we feel, you know, almost locked in to this horrible, catastrophic illness. And I feel like I'm going to cry just talking about it because it's so painful for so many of us. And and we just, um, you know, we, we're not people that destructively do these things on purpose, but, you know, it's like we do have such a path of destruction all around us. And it's the people that are closest to us that suffer the most. You know, I know for myself, you know, um, you know I destroyed, you know, uh, relationships and fortunately I've been able to really mend them through working my steps and, and I'm really seeing such beauty and and wonder come out of that but you know I, I really hurt my children probably the most and, and, and men that I was involved with and, and you know employers I mean my parents what they saw me do you know the things I did but you know the thing that I have to go back to in the beginning of this is where it says an illness of this sort, finally I know that it's an illness. It really is a sickness that we have. And the thing is that forever I will have it. I will have it forever. But it will go guarded and taken care of if I continue to truly live, as was stated earlier so beautifully, in the principles with the steps. I must continue to work the steps vigilantly and be honest about things, be honest about it, and not take that first bite that leads me right back into all that crap again, because it will. And I know for myself it is totally progressive, because, you know, I got down to 164 before in 1995, and I went back up to 278. My starting weight was 222. And my eating progressed to the point where I was totally out of control, you know, uh, you know, got into some bulimia. I mean, it's like, you know, I have all of it. I have, you know, even parts of the anorexia. I have the binge purge. I have all that stuff. And I know that I've never been hospitalized, but I am sure in my, in my heart of hearts that I could be, that I could be, you know, 700 pounds. I know I could. And besides that, what has it taken from me? It's taken my joy of living away when I've been in the disease. And that is don't want to have. So grateful today to be here and for all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Kim M., you're next, please. 
Oh, hi. Good morning. This is uh, Kim M., a grateful, uh, recovered, compulsive overeater in Texas. Um, what I got out of the paragraph that was read is, um, you know, just knowing that this is a disease, because I remember um, finding my first OA meeting and going in and just being so overwhelmed that there were other people who were doing the things that I was doing with food, and um, there seemed to be so much camaraderie and wanting to help and, and all of that. And I've been in and out of program, but I, I know for me that this is the only solution. It's the end, it's the end of the road. The surgery didn't work, and, and none of the other things that I did ever worked. This is the only thing that works when I uh, take the time to work my, work my program, and I do everything that I'm supposed to do. I get these wonderful benefits. But my heart goes out to people who haven't found this solution yet, and it's just like the big book said, you know, if someone has cancer, diabetes, you, you understand, you, you know, sympathize with them, but then if you see a really large person eating dessert and lubies, you know, people can be so judgmental about that, but what I do, I, I just try to pray for them because I remember being where, where they are, so I'm just really grateful to be here and, and thankful that we have this meeting. And, um, you know, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kim M. Would anyone else like to comment on the Me. paragraph? Penny C. Hi, good morning, Penny C. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. My, I am Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And uh, this paragraph just struck me um, more powerfully than it has ever when I read it in the past. An illness of this sort as we have come to believe in an illness. I was 47 years old, was a person in the medical field, had suffered from, from the uh, humiliation, the, um, you know, the lack of, of being able to participate in, in whatever um, activities there were as a, as a child and as a teenager. Um, all of that, and had been told by by doctors when I asked for help and saying I just can't stop eating even when i'm even I'm not even hungry, and I keep eating and um and I recall so vividly the doctor that said to me, "I'd hate to see what you look like if you ever got hungry and i i I allowed all of that because i I thought that my my overweight, my compulsive eating was my fault. It was a moral issue. I I and I alone was to blame. And and because I was lazy, because I had no willpower, all the things that most of us have either been told or thought about ourselves. In my very first meeting I heard the word that catapulted me into recovery. I, I believe that God had me just where I needed to be at that moment when a woman said, this disease of mine, and it hit me, 
and and it was I look back now and I think it was a spiritual awakening. I had a disease and immediately I felt relief, relief from all those horrible experiences I have had. Like it says here, when someone has cancer, we we don't treat them like we do the person who has the disease of addiction, whether it be alcoholism, compulsive overeater, or what. But but for me, because of my disease, I was laughed at. We wouldn't laugh at a person who showed signs of of having had cancer, who was going through treatment for for that disease, or someone who had such such severe diabetes that they were hospitalized over and over again. And yet, that's what I experienced. And I just am so pleased that I come to this meeting every morning. And I know that every one of these hundreds of people understand, understand what, I, what I've been through. Because we've all, we've all in some way been, been, been um, there and been, been the target of, of terrible treatment because of our overweight or, in the case of bulimics, even even because or, or anorexics because they're so so thin, and and now we have this wonderful program, this special and especially this wonderful meeting every morning, and uh, with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. Would anyone else this like to Carolyn from New York? I'll please come on. I need a L. Okay. Okay, we have a few people here. Carolyn, just if you would hang on just one second, please. I believe I heard a Carolyn S and Elsie. Yes. Anita L. um, Anita L. And did I hear um, a Nicole? Yes. Judy P. Leah. Judy P. I did hear Judy P. Probably before Nicole and Leah. Let's go with that. That's um, that's a good way to start. Carolyn S. Elsie M. Anita L. Judy P. Nicole S. And then Leah M. Thank you so much. Good morning, Carolyn. Uh, good morning. Um, this is Carolyn S. from New York, a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with what was last said, which is that compulsive overeating and the very visible effects, you know, the, the obesity, um, is viewed in this country as the person's fault. It, it is, uh, you know, a choice. You can choose to stuff your face. You can't choose not to get cancer or choose not to get diabetes. Well, actually, <laughs> diabetes often comes with obesity, but not always. So um, you know, people feel entitled to, to, to snicker or stare or point or make jokes because, you know, thunder thighs, whatever, because these people are choosing it. You know, they're making themselves targets. Well, we know that's not true, you know. And uh, even I, as a compulsive overeater, as a, an overweight person, used to look at the, the you know, morbidly obese, the 500, 600-pound people in the mall, who could barely move and think, well, I'd never get that bad, you know. Like, how, how can they How can they keep going like that, you know. At a certain point, I always, you know, my dieting clicked in because it was pride, you know, self-esteem, whatever, you know, willpower. Um, and now I realize that, you know, but for the grace of God, because I reached a point where I had no more, no more fight in me. Um, when I came to OA, I didn't have another diet in me. I had tried and failed, you know, tried, succeeded, quote-unquote, 
failed and regained more weight than I had lost so many times. You know, I had done the Weight Watchers. I had done everything. And um, I was totally full of despair. I had no hope. So um, at that point, I was going to, you know, I, I was on the verge of just giving up and becoming 500 pounds. Um, and then, you know, I also have the other, you know, situation where I'm bipolar. And it's a very similar prejudice. Um, you know, not that someone blames you for me- being mentally ill, but it, it's, you know, initially, especially in the stages of depression, there's very much a, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just, you know, just get out of bed. Just do it. You know, don't you realize you have responsibilities? I mean, my husband used to say to me, you know, he works from home. I'm upstairs working my ass off and you're in bed all day. And it's like, I'm just so tired. You don't understand. I can barely keep my eyes open. You know, and it, I, I mean, that is a medical illness, just like compulsive overeating. And he's come to understand that. And I've been on medication for years and things are much better. But, but not everyone gets that. You know, I mean, on TV, you see someone, you know, oh, I'm so depressed. My boyfriend broke up with me. Let me eat a pint of Rocky Road. And then they move on. Well, I, I don't move on um, without treatment. And for me, for, as a compulsive overeater, these 12 steps and the fellowship that supports my relationship with God, that is my treatment. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. LCM, please. Hi, this is LCM from Philadelphia, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, this is a great paragraph and a great chapter. Um, I just love this whole chapter. And yesterday I had the privilege of going to a, a very strong OA meeting, um, my home group, and um, witnessed that uh, a woman came into that meeting who was on her way to get to her doctors to um, have the bariatric surgery. And she came to our meeting instead. And it was really powerful to see um, this little teeny tiny glimmer of hope in her um, that was surrounded by so much despair and pain and fear. And to watch, um, you know, people uh, come around her and, and basically their message was, there is a solution. There is a solution. That's all they kept saying to her is there is a solution. And... Um, She was able to get a sponsor um, who was a fellow visionary, and um, hopefully she'll continue to pursue this path. But it was just miraculous to watch um, that she actually ended up in that room instead of in the doctor's office. So it it was really a gift, and I am so glad to be on this side of the disease and will continue to keep my seat as long as God is willing to have me be there. That's all, and I pass. Thank you, LCM. Anita L. Hi, this is Anita L. Recovered for today of mind and body with the uh, the obsession of that first bite. I'm so grateful. And it's ironic that Elsie came in right before me <laughs> because that's exactly what I was going to share. I was at the same meeting she was at yesterday and... I was going to talk about the camaraderie and the joyfulness and the relating in to this woman's pain. And pretty much every single person who was at that meeting, and there were about 20 of us who were there yesterday, came over to give this woman a hug and say, it's okay, you know. They're just like what Elsie said, there is a solution. 
there is a way out. And I spoke with her a couple times last night. And just to hear that she was beginning to understand and and relate into what I was saying. And, and that's where we get, you know, the people where they can relate into my disease. And we were all there to support and help her because we didn't want her to go to the hospital and get bariatric surgery. You know, there is another way to work your life and become a happy person. And, uh, you know, it was so beautiful. I was so touched. And a couple of us bought a book for her, you know, the 12 Steps. Uh, We didn't have the regular book there, but so we bought the workbook for her so she could at least get some perspective of the recovery. And, you know, people willing to reach out and take time out of their lives to help another. And that's what this program is all about. That's why it works, because we understand we've been there. I've been there. Thank God I didn't have to go as far as she could, but what was stated before, I could be right there at 400 pounds. I could be there. I'm just grateful to my higher power that I didn't have to go to that extreme. I was always able to catch it when it was somewhat reasonable under 100 pounds. And I'm grateful to say to my higher power, thank you that I've I've lost all the weight that I put on, plus I've lost more. And um, the other thing, I just have a few seconds left here, but I wanted to talk about how my disease does touch everyone who's in contact with me. It doesn't just have to be my family who get the brunt of it, um, my coworkers. They really got a lot of my disease. They were affected by it because of my low self-esteem and uh, feeling less than and not capable of doing the work that I needed to do. And, you know, uh, they're still on my amends list. I do need to go to them, including my uh, employer. That would be time. Yes, thank you. And uh, I'm so grateful for this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. And we are running close to being out of time, um, So, and we have three more shares. Judy P., you want to go next? I think that if you're calling me, I, that was Judy K. T like Tom? Okay. Good morning, no. Judy. Thank you. K as in kite. K. Oh, okay. Thanks, Judy K. It, it is your turn. And we want to keep close to our time, please. Thank you. Okay, thank you. My name is Judy Kay, and I am a recovering compulsive overeater, uh, looking forward to the time when I will be able to be recovered. Uh, With it, there goes the annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. And on page 82, it says, The alcoholic is like a tornado, roaring roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. And that is the path of destruction. A tornado 
can we go through the lives of others? And it certainly was my story of how I, the tornado, I swept through the lives of all of those I love, leaving in its wake a lot of destruction and warped lives of blameless children. They didn't, they didn't ask for that pain that, that I inflicted on them. And it says anyone can increase the list. Oh, yes, I remember going to a restaurant, and they didn't have the food that I wanted. And the waitress paid for that I, in, in just a very sharp, moody, tense uh, interchange with, with me. Um, so anyone can increase the list. I've never seen her again. But anybody, it engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. So imagine every day we're having... Someone live with that, live with that tornado, and um, they and they did. They suffered right along with me, and with that, I'll pass. Thank, Thank you, Judy K. Nicole S. Hi, this is Nicole S. Did you call me? I did. Good morning. Okay. Thank you. Um, hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. And um, I was just thinking, um, I was talking to my husband the other day and just um, how I feel like our life has been really smooth lately. And um, just, uh, I mentioned though that with um, with my disease that I could just, I could just pull the curtain down anytime if I um, just give into the belief that this isn't an illness. And, um, you know, when it starts out this paragraph, an illness of this, this sort, and you know, I know I absolutely have to believe that <clears throat> that I have an illness, and um, like any illness, I I have to do um, you know I have to do things to um, to keep it at bay, and um, you know, when it says here the annihilation of all the things worthwhile in life, and um, you know, I, I looking back, I can just remember how. How I, I do touch everybody's lives around me. I touch my my family's lives, my friends, um, and uh, when I just give in to the belief that I don't have an illness and that I can take care of this, um, that I can eat certain things um, and it won't it won't affect me. And um, so I'm just really grateful that that every day that I can be reminded um, that I that I do have an illness and. Um, that I can have, you know, those memories and be reminded of what it is like um, in the disease and that there is a solution. And I'm really grateful that um, this meeting focuses on on the steps and the steps as as a solution and that we are, you know, like the first paragraph of sharing, we're like, you know, all on the the same boat and sharing in the common peril and um but we're held together by more than that we're held together by the solution and not the problem um and that's all i have thank you for letting me share thank you nicole leah m you'll be our next sharer and the last one for today thank you mel uh good morning everybody my name is leah m recovered compulsive overeater but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation, destruction of all the things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. You know, we talk about the results of recovery, 
that we have been restored to sanity, that the obsession of the mind has been driven out. But there's also results of the disease, and I certainly live that. Um, you know, I was unpredictable. I was unreliable. I was inconsistent. Um, you know, it was like... Uh, Living in a landmine, you never knew quite where to step with me. Uh, you know, the the isolation and the deep depression and the suicidal thinking that I had due to my illness, you know, did affect, obviously, my loved ones. I had food stains all over my relationships. And, you know, I always had good intentions. But meanwhile, my loved ones and the world about me uh, judges me by my actions. You know, so I had the results of the disease, you know, but uh, thank God, you know, there is a message of hope here in Chapter 2, uh, there is a solution that, uh, you know, the big book calls this a self-imposed crisis, that I'm crushed by a self-imposed crisis, and that's a great thing, because it's self-imposed, that means that through the application of these steps, uh, there is a there is a guarantee of a specific result, and that result is a spiritual awakening, which is a change in the way that I think, in the way that I feel, and especially in the way I behave. And what distinguishes this 12-step process from self-help programs is that it's, this change is done to us, not by us. That the program of recovery leads me uh, out of that bondage of self from a life of self-centeredness to a life of other-centeredness, God-centeredness. Um, and uh, for that, I'm grateful, as well as my loved ones. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And thank you to everyone today. It is time to close our meeting. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164 and follow that with a serenity prayer. Will Marie P. please read page 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Marie P., can you press star one? Janice M., if we can't get Marie P., would you please read page 164 for us today? Yes, I'm here. Okay, I will get the page. <laughs> Pardon me, I know. Um, I wasn't ready for you. 164. Okay, sorry about that. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. For the man who is still sick, the answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.